The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Expect the Unexpected, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, August 14th, 2023, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on CBS's Big Brother. Please welcome my co-host, my fellow house guest, Michael Pena. What's up, people? All right, Michael. We've got much to discuss we pick up day nine. I was about to say in the Big Brother house, but we're not in the Big Brother house. We're in the Scaryverse, in its nether region. I will say just previously on, uh, Kirsten was the first evictee of uh, Big Brother. At the very end of the episode, we saw that the house guests had vanished into that very cheaply made CGI portal. And what? It was fake? Yeah, it was not. It wasn't real. It was very cheap. Like, shout out to the Big Brother CGI budget, because they just, they just try to stretch that budget a lot. In And the budget is only maybe $100. Because I mean, <laughs> it's just, I'm like, good grief. But anyway, so we're in the scary verse. We have been teleported with the house guests into the Scaryverse, into the Scaryverse's nether region for the HOH competition. And uh, it looks like a neighborhood, but like a neighborhood from hell. Now, let me say this before I even explain this competition. I love that half of the house guests were so committed to being terrified. Like, they were holding on to each other. They were looking freaked out. Miss Felicia, you deserve an Academy Award, apparently like your brother Denzel Washington has. Um, listeners, Cameron, for whatever reason, thinks Miss Felicia is a twist and that she is related to Denzel Washington, which is a lot. But anyway. But so half of them, the... Um, well, if you're looking at the TV screen, the, the side on the right, which would be their left, they all look terrified. And then the opposite side, like, they just looked like they had no idea what they were supposed to do. Like, they just looked like they were just listening to the to the storyline. But anyway, it was noticeable, and it was hilarious. And I loved the half that committed to the bit. So we're in the nether region we have what's called a nether gorgon, basically a um, scare actor on stilts, that is explaining the game. He feeds on souls, and so he's looking forward to somebody sticking around in the, in the nether region. The person that's going to stick around is the person that makes it to the to final two in this competition. Basically, one will become HOH, the other person will be stuck in the nether region. And it's a game of uh, 
in essence, hide and seek, the Nether Gorgon is going to give riddles of where he won't, or she, or they, will attack. Or they won't attack, I should say. And that's where the house guests can go hide. There are like two porches, there's a garage, there's a shed, there's a fountain, and there's a parked car. I think those were all the areas. And, uh, you know, as the game progresses and there are less and less people, the amount of spots at different locations sort of disappear. Kind of like musical chairs, in a sense. It's like a little bit like hide-and-seek and musical chairs. And so, by the end of it all, we have a winner. But before we get to the winner and, and all that kind of stuff and punishments, maybe we'll use that in air quotes, in regards to who has to stick around in the nether region. Just in general, what did you think of the competition? This is a very different competition than we've ever seen. They they actually had, you know, a scare actor there and everything. I want to get your take on the competition first, Mr. Pena. I mean, honestly, it was great. I really enjoyed it. When I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is interesting. They actually left the Big Brother house. They didn't dress up the backyard or anything. And it was kind of cool to see him out of the house in a completely different area to play a game that we had never played before. And I, and I thought the same thing where it's basically hide-and-seek. But he gives you clues where you can go, and you got to go out, and you got to pay attention to these clues because some were pretty straightforward, and some you had to really pay attention to what he's saying. And what was kind of cool is I liked that it was limited. So this way it wasn't going to be endless, right, where everyone's in the same spot hiding together. So it's only like max, what, two to three spots sometimes on each location. And it was a lot of fun. I love the ones that committed to the whole being scary and running, not like little Corey slowly jogging away. That was funny. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was entertaining. It was different. It was strategic. You had to pay attention to where you were hiding because it could come in handy later on, which we find out with Jared, who unfortunately uh, took half of that information that didn't, go well for him but overall i like it i hope they continue something different considering it is a scary verse i feel like there's opportunities for games that they haven't done before and i feel like they're kind of they're gonna run with that and i hope they continue that and i hope when they get the positive reception from the audience for this change that they'll continue this in future seasons and what did you think overall about this game and how it could potentially play for future comps since you mentioned people escaping, number one, Miss Felicia running as fast as she could. I was very impressed because she's an older woman. Like, let's just be honest. Like, I did not think that she would be able to run that fast, and she ran for her life. She committed to the bit, and I loved it. Red doing the somersault situation was delightful. Awesome. Like, everybody that committed was so damn good it, it was yeah it brought like a reality to you know a man on or woman on stilts and a mask you know what i'm saying so i, I love it that. sold it better it, made it, it more sold it because of that yes if there was anything that i wish that they would have added a little bit of like smoke machines i think that's the only thing that was missing from like the ambiance of the nether region. I don't know if that would have been a little bit dangerous for the stilt uh, scare actor. 
Um, so maybe that's why they didn't do it. But I, th I just think um, a smoke machine sort of adds a little bit of air of mystery and intrigue and that kind of stuff. I will say this. I did enjoy the competition. I thought it was fun. I love the change in the in the competition. I will say this just, you know, as a bit of a tease to, like, the whole situation. When this first started, I was like, what in the Halloween Town 2 Calabaro's Revenge are we watching? You know what I'm saying? Yes. But it was really enjoyable. You know, outside of that little bit of shade, like, it was really enjoyable. It was... Uh, pretty well done. It was very different from what we've seen before. And yes, Mr. Pena, there was an element of surprise because it wasn't the backyard. They had more space to do things. And it's really crazy how in the time that they have had the Big Brother house, they haven't done something like this before. Now, I don't know if it's because of the strike situation and they have, you know, sound stages that are empty, maybe, and that kind of thing. And maybe that's why they had additional space. But I've always kind of said this to myself in the back of my head. And I'm just going to put it out there because, you know, it puts stuff out into the universe and maybe stuff will end up happening. I always wondered why. And forgive me if I'm wrong for the listeners, because I know there's some people out there that probably know the geography of, like, the Big Brother house and, like, what's outside of the the walls of the backyard. I know that there's, like, a parking lot there. I don't know if there's a lot of space there, but I've always wondered, like, why don't they, in essence, bulldoze the parking lot that's right on the other side of the uh, backyard wall, and they build... Not necessarily a full-on soundstage, but they build, you know, a little area where they don't, number one, have to always shut down the backyard. Number two, it can be a permanent competition area. And if they need the parking space, now I'm kind of wondering if they, if they end up turning it into a parking garage. I mean, the house guests would be able to see that, so maybe they couldn't do that. They'd have to really transfer whatever parking lot space is there. Um, but if it is, a, like, a substantial amount of space, I'm surprised that they didn't, haven't bulldozed the parking lot there, moved it to another area, and, uh, like, built, you know, a a location there where they can just have the competitions. So they have a space that they can always manipulate instead of having to shut down the backyard. Like, I think a permanent competition area would be kind of fun because then they can get really creative. They aren't... Um, like, bound by that tiny backyard. Well, essentially, I'm assuming that's what the uh, the backyard is actually used for. Well, yeah, yes, the backyards are for I competition. Like, I feel like it's lit, but I think that's the way it was built for that purpose of being easily manipulated. No, 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 I understand all that, but around. I'm saying because of the amount of uh, times that, you know, the the house guests have to go into lockdown and they can't go outside. They got nothing else to do. No, but I'm saying that's why they can go outside. <laughs> you know what no, I'm I, saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I, I think logistics is just too huge on it. And considering they already have a cheap budget to begin with, I doubt they would put that much additional money, what they already have in the house. True. You know what I mean? No, but I'm just saying in a perfect but world, like yeah. they should do something like that so that, number one, the house guests always have access to the backyard. 
Um, and number two, they have a permanent area that they can do whatever they want to do with it. Um, and they don't have to shut things down to, to do competitions. I don't know. I think that would be kind of neat. Once again, we know that they're, we're not interested in upping the budget and stuff. Um, but the fact that they did something different and they did this in particular, if we have more of this, this season, that would be awesome. Um, I would love for them to do this again in future seasons. You know, they could keep the nether region mythology, kind of like how we have the Zangbot mythology and all that kind of stuff. They can still keep it. And Otev. I mean, they can still keep that kind of stuff, even if it's not, you know, once again, the BB multiverse. Like, in this season, they've introduced the BB multiverse. So elements like the Scaryverse and the Humiliverse, they can come back in future seasons. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen BB comics, like, every season for, like, the past... Ooh, I don't know how long BB Comics have been there. Maybe, like, ten seasons? Five to ten seasons that we've been seeing BB Comics? So um, Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so they can always do something with the Scaryverse and the Nether Region. Yeah, maybe upgrade some of the CGI to the portal. So it doesn't look Just like... a little bit. ...from Twitches or something. Yeah. But, so let's talk about this. Okay, so this is the order in which the group is eliminated. First of all, Riley... This is so sad. Like, Riley has to go to this soundstage because she's a part of, you know, the house. But because she was HOH, she can't play. So she's literally there for, like, five seconds. <laughs> and she has to run away. I was like, why was she even taken there? But, um, anyway. So Riley has to leave because she's HOH. She was HOH and she cannot compete. And then... The Nether Gorgon ends up attacking, in air quotes, Cameron, Blue, Nicole, then Jag, Matt, and America, then Corey, Miss Felicia, Red, and Bowie Jane, and that left Jared and Hysum. And much like you were saying, Jared had read one of the clues. So, so the final situation isn't really a clue or a riddle that the Nether Gorgon was saying. There were three etched uh, phrases throughout this neighborhood area, and combining the three phrases turned into a sentence. Poor Jared had noticed one of the phrases, and then he found another one, or he had known where another one was. He combined those two, so he had two out of three, and it was wrong. I mean, he had a 50-50 chance of being right about the situation, you know, because it was two areas, two porches that they could go hide in, and there were keys, and, you know, you open the door, and if you open the door, you're the HOH, and if you can't, you're, you're stuck in the nether region. But this is a true testament to the phrase, you know, if you don't have all the information, you might not be right. Because Jared, he he did a little happy dance because he thought he won, and he was wrong, and so it was Jared and Hysum, and Hysum won HOH, and Jared stayed in the Nether region for it looked like it was maybe about a day, day and a half, something like that, might maybe even a little less, maybe like a full day or almost a full day. Um, I will say. I was like, oh my gosh, Jared, 
like, I, I felt so bad for him. He thought he won. But to be quite honest, it's probably the best that he didn't win. Uh, because he was playing two sides and he would have had to show, like, show his cards a little bit too quick. Uh, what did you think of poor Jared almost winning, but oh, Hysum, like, beast-moding the competition? Like, that one time when he ran in front of Red and, like, took the spots in the, the tool shed? Very yeah, impressive ball, with Hysum. No, he was, man, he's playing to win it. And I think he, it's just him. I feel like he's very competitive. And I feel like he didn't catch on to later, like, damn, like, I'm already playing tough. They already know, like, screw it, let me, because he didn't want to initially win it. But then he's like, I've already gone this far, so to, you know, so to speak, and it's like, I, I, I'm going to go for it. And then poor, and I knew, I was like, man, that's smart. He sees it. Cause it's so hard to see that etching on the side of that car, unless you're going specifically to that side, you're not going to notice it. And had Jerry just taken the time to look for that last one, but I know he hadn't gone to the shed before, if I'm not mistaken, so he had no idea that's what the other etching was. And I remember seeing it, and I was playing out like, man, I know Heisen because you had mentioned it last week. Heisen wins it. How does Jared lose it? He knows where the etches are, but he only knew of two. And as soon as I saw him go to a door, I'm like, oh, he didn't get that other one. It says, don't. And I really liked the fact that Big Brother did that. It didn't say, like, oh, fine, 486. They specifically put don't just in case you didn't have the full clues you're more than likely going to be wrong like Jared was. And I feel like it played up awesome. And like you mentioned, it actually ends up benefiting Jared not winning right now because it does keep his duo alliance secrets between both, you know, basically him and his mom, right, playing both sides. It keeps that under wraps, and it continues that story, you know, to go forward. Absolutely. I agree with you. Like, as much as Jared really wanted to win, and I get it, you want to win a competition, you want to prove yourself, like, that you can, you know, do the damn thing in the Big Brother house and all that kind of stuff. Like, I get it. I hear all of you out there that are like, oh, man, like, he needed to win. But he didn't really need to win. It is just the second HOH. And the last thing anybody wants to do is show their cards this early. That's why some of the other house guests were like, I don't want this one. Like, I, I want to lose. You know what I'm saying? So it was in his best interest. And at the end of the day, that means it was also in, the, in Ceri's best interest for him not to win. But he almost had it. Like, he really almost had it. Like, yeah, like, he had the end of the phrase, and so he thought he had to go to the house with the number four at the start of uh, the the address. And it was, don't go. You'll be safe, like, in the house that doesn't have a four, doesn't start with four or something like that. The only thing I would change mm -hmm. was have more doors, because I didn't like the fact it was 50-50. Because realistically, you could have just guessed you have a really high chance than actually looking for it. Well, no, cause, well, I feel like... I, understand I just feel like they saying. could have added more doors just to say they pick one, and only one's correct. The only way to find it correct is you got to find all three messages. Well, the problem is I get what you're saying, but when you only have two people left, you know, if there's a third door, and let's say both of them don't pick it for whatever reason, like they don't pick the right one, so they're both in wrong ones, you don't have an HOH, you know? Twist right there.
You got a twist. The Gorgon is the HOH. The Gorgon is not the HOH. You know they're not paying the scare actor enough money to be there for an entire week. That could be America's monster. America's monster. Oh gosh, I can't. I can't. But props, kudos to this HOH competition. Very well done. And future house guests out there, please commit to the bit. Commit to the bit like Miss Felicia, like Blue, Red, Sari, uh, who else was on that side? Uh, Izzy, uh, Matt, like they all committed to the bit. The one thing, though, that I was worried is, like, I hope somebody was there to to explain to Matt the situation. Like, now, especially after what we discussed on Thursday, like, I'm really concerned about Matt and uh, them being able to accommodate for him. Because I also learned one thing, and we were totally wrong, Mr. Pena, in regards to the diary room. Apparently, former house guests were saying on social media that they don't see Julie in the diary room. There is no screen in the diary room. Like, they only see Julie in the living room and that sort of thing. So when they say, you look beautiful, it's because they had seen her in the living room. They don't see her in the diary room. So the fact that they didn't think to accommodate Matt with, like, a light that flashes in the diary room, I'm like, come on, people. Y'all need to figure something out by Thursday. Uh, Because, like, we were saying, like, I was like, maybe she could do some sign language because I don't know if Matt knows sign language and that sort of thing. But if he did, then, or at least, you know, just like a sign, like a wave. But he can't see her. In the diary yeah. room. Yeah, unless you have a producer there. Exactly. Which makes me wonder, was, how does he do his diary room sessions? Like, do they have to, like... I know he can he can, um, he can can hear a little bit. He's hard of hearing. So right. I don't know if they, like, uh, put the volume up from the, uh, you know, the producer or PA. I don't know who, who is Big Brother um, when they're in the diary room. Uh, but, you know, who if... If anyone's there, they like they should like pump up the volume or something. Be like, you may leave or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. They just need to figure it out. Like they need to figure it out. Now I'm looking at all these competitions, and if Matt is competing in it, I'm like, I hope that there is a way for him to be explained well, what they're doing. I know they, I know they explain a lot more than they show on television. That is true. Because they do basically have like, do you understand? And I figured this out on some of the older seasons. And when I saw Big Brother Canada after somebody broke a rule and said, he never told us this, they played the clip where they showed, they talk about all these additional rules that was edited out of the ones that they showed on the, on the show and explaining, hey, this is this, this is that. You can't do that. You can't do this. Do you understand? Do you have any questions? And they're like, no, no, okay. So that's kind of cool to know because not a lot of people even know that. That it's just not what we hear. They actually go further and they actually stop like, hey, are there any questions on the rules or what needs to be done? Because sometimes you're like, wait, what were the rules again? Like, what, what do you need to do? And some of it seems sometimes complicated depending on the game, but they're able to, like, re-say it. But you bring up a really good point. I kind of hope there is a way because 
he he, he is hard of hearing because I know I saw the conversation right now, right now in the life. He was Riley, and like they're at a good distance, but he's staring at her. So obviously, he could be reading her lips, right? And then I saw where yeah, he they does kind of that closer, where he was like speaking it like he turned his ear towards her and like she got closer to like say whatever she was saying so like you said it's, it's, i'm pretty sure it is it's difficult for him but i really hope they are doing something that we're not seeing at least for the games and for the competitions to try to level the playing field for him exactly because my whole concern is if there isn't somebody there physically and they're you know so he doesn't have the lips to read if he's just like listening like, is it loud enough and that sort of thing? That's the only thing. Like, I'm, I'm concerned about him having the same advantage that someone that can, you know, can hear has. Like, he shouldn't be at a disadvantage because he's hard of hearing. Like, they should be doing the most to accommodate him because he is hard of hearing. And with what we saw on Thursday, like in the, my, the back of my mind, I'm like, are they really accommodating him? So I hope that they have taken all of that into consideration, you know, because they were very proud of like, you know, this is our first hard of hearing contestant, house guest. So I hope that they are doing the best to accommodate him. All right, so are we done talking about the nether region? Uh, I yes. just want to make sure before we head back into... Uh, Nomination. Big Brother House, yes. Okay, so Jared has remained in the nether region. We will talk about him in a moment. Heisem is HOH. He appears in the HOH room after opening the door. He teleports. I will just say this, because there are nooks and crannies and stuff where, um, you know, the uh, the crew and that sort of thing, you know, they can get into places, you know, when house guests aren't there and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, we've seen, like, tables change when, like, they're outside competing and they return. All of a sudden, there's new stuff in the house. I love that they're taking advantage of the nooks and the crannies to return these house guests. I mean, clearly... They're not teleporting, but they're using, you know, probably crawl spaces and that sort of stuff to bring these house guests back. At least that's what I'm assuming, because it genuinely looks like all these house guests are surprised that people are, like, randomly in the house. So my assumption is that they are using, you know, crawl spaces, because behind all those walls, there are there's, like, a hallway and stuff where, you know, there are camera crews and that sort of thing, so... I'm assuming that's how people are getting back into the house from, like, the nether region. But maybe I'm just wrong, and maybe they're all just acting, and they're told, we're bringing somebody back, stay over there, and then act surprised. Like, I don't know. Anyway. No, I'm, pr I'm, pre mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Every room has an access into the room, because I'm pretty sure they're not going to have a room with only one entrance. God forbid something happens, and the door's locked or jammed. They have other ways to get in. It's basically a puzzle of a house where they yeah. can have access at any time. Okay, so we're thinking the same thing, that they're using crawl spaces or, you know, hidden yeah. doors and that kind of stuff. That's what I think, too. Uh, okay, so Hysum is HOH, and Hysum is very direct with his own people, the professors. I love it. As well as the other side of the house on who his targets are. And his targets are Riley, 
Matt, and Cameron. Riley in particular, because he had heard during her HOH reign that she was concerned about him and that she was, in essence, targeting him. He confronted her about it during her HOH reign, and she pretty much confirmed it. Now, I will also say there is a showman's brewing, and that showman's is Riley and Matt. This was not shown in the episode, so I'm going to bring some live feed information here that may end up being shown in flashbacks or in the next episode. But there's another showmance that appears to be blooming. And that showmance is between Blue and Jared. Jared. I just saw that on the lives, dude. No joke. Right before we got on to record, I'm there watching. I'm like, man, they seem really comfortable. And then she's taking clothes to go wash. And I don't watch the lives very often. It's really rare. And I keep forgetting that I have it. I put it on. And then he's like, oh, Carrie, do I carry clothes? He's like, yeah, hell yeah, here you go. I'm always going to say yes. And something, they're like flirting and talking some more. I'm like, wait a second. Do they have a thing going on? They have a thing going on. He even told Sari, and they have to include this in the episode. Because she, he was like, he was talking yeah. to her about showmance. And her face was kind of, like, disgusted <laughs> in a good way. I don't know if she's heard the term before. I don't know if she's just not down with showmances. But, like, her face was, like, it's like a face only a mother can make. It is. It was just beautiful. So I hope, I hope, I hope they end up showing it because it was fantastic. So we've got... Uh, that showman's that they didn't show yet, that maybe they'll show in the next episode. And the other thing that I was really disappointed that they didn't show is how Hysom was doing all of his HOH meetings. Because what we saw with Matt was what he was doing with everybody from that side of the house. So I wish that we would have gotten, like, a better montage of, like, him just asking all of these direct questions like okay so i already know about the people in the house i know that there's this alliance i know the the number like i wanted to see everybody's reactions to like him knowing about them you know because i think that would have been hilarious and i think they still only think that he knows about the eight person large alliance because I did see like a clip from the live feeds where and I believe maybe it was Riley. They were like talking about like maybe it was Jag, but they were like talking about how, oh, he knows about the eight, but he doesn't know about the core five, the handful. And he knows about the handful like he knows about them all. So it's funny that they don't fully comprehend and understand about the situation. And also, I will say this, just to incorporate a little bit more of the live feed, the other side, the handful, and um, they haven't said the name of the eight-person team, but apparently it's family style, uh, which I understand it. We had the cookout, then we had the leftovers, so now we got family style dining. But I'm like, come on, people, y'all need to come up. Like, shout out to Tiffany. Or I don't know who exactly. Was it Tiffany that came up with the name of the cookout? Was it X? But shout out to whomever actually came up with the name of the cookout because the amount of people in subsequent seasons that have now been imitating the name or adding on yeah, to it. they got to get away from the food. Yeah, get away from the food. And like, like, seriously, I, there are other, I mean, you have the brigade. Like, what is going to be the next name, the you dessert had, buffet? Level, <laughs> I 
names, but you never had anyone copy those names. You know what I mean? And it's like the leftovers actually made sense, and for what they were going that for, is true, yes. is, you know what I mean? Like it felt like a, a proper sequel, so to speak, right? It was natural. It wasn't forced. Family style was like, no, it could have been the Grateful Eight. I think someone had that at one point, actually. I think that I was one too. Yeah. But uh, I know what you mean. They gotta stop your own thing, do your own thing. I just want to add the showmances are gonna be very interesting to see how they affect because we've seen showman. We used to see a lot of showmances, right? Now it's kind of I feel like few and far in between the last several seasons, or it's usually maybe one. But I like to see more because I like to see the dynamics of that actually play and then potentially going against each other. But you, I think you sent me the video, right, of the way the the meme video of Heisum when he became HOH. Oh like, yes. So, so so who are you? Who who who's your team? And you know, very direct. And I, dude, again, I like that. That's what. And I wish, like you said, they would have showed more. When you sent me that, I was a little confused. So I have to go. I assumed that was Heisman doing his thing, but on the episode, I didn't show it. So I went online and I saw what you were talking about. And I was like, man, they need to show more. But again, dude, I just like how direct they are. And just going for it, it's like, dude, why not play from day one? Just you're not guaranteed another day on this earth, right? So just keep going and shooting and heist them. I like what he did. I don't know why Riley. Why did she have it? She has so much potential, I think, to be a good player. She just, she's very non-confrontational and almost people pleasing. She's to way too nice. It's detrimenting her game. It is, and this is Big Brother, you can't be that nice, like, you've just known these people for nine days, like, you can't be this nice. No, and that sucks, because she seems like a great girl, like, like, she's social butterfly and everything, it's kind of like, man, that's going to be tough for her to even survive, and hey, I like to say, right now, I got one of my picks right, I did say Riley, I said Riley and Jags, but I I got half of it right for nominations. That is true. Kudos to myself, but yeah, I like Heisem. I like his directness. I feel like it helps. Shout out to Legionnaire for picking Heisem. We forgot to say oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that's that was a great pick. That guy, he knows he's a target. So at this point, he's gonna go balls to the wall because he's just it. It's like any other big threat. Like when it comes to the end or middle, like well, I might as well try to win out. Like Janelle, right? I think it was it the second time where she just had to win out? She won like so many comps because. That was the only way to be safe, and I feel like he now has to go that direction. Mm-hmm. Although, he does have an alliance to back him up, so there is that. Very true. But he doesn't have a duo, based off of the information that I've gotten from the live feeds. Like, he doesn't have a pair. Like, he isn't latched on to somebody. So there is that in regards to um, he doesn't have, like, a shield or a protector. So we'll see if that ends up changing as things sort of chug along. But to go to the point that you were saying, well, I'm, I'm going to respond to the two points that you made. Number one, the directness. I don't know if we're going to get that from the handful. Like, or whatever the hell that side is going to be called. Because um, I forget who said it, but they were like, with Riley is gone then they're all going to sort of, like, flounder. Which maybe, you know, I don't know if they have a leader. And even though Riley doesn't see herself as the leader, I mean, she really is the de facto leader of uh, that side. So if she is removed from the equation, like, will they crumble? Will they just flop around in the ocean? I don't know. But um, 
Yeah, because she's the de facto leader, like, that side, I think, could potentially be lost. And if they do end up gaining power next week, like, I don't see them being that direct, unless they're learning tips and tricks from the other side. Like, the, the professors, the bye-bye bitches, like, they seem to be incredibly direct. Heisem and Izzy, the way that we've seen them play and the way that we've seen them interact with the other side when the other side was in power, like, they were both incredibly direct. And Heisem is now incredibly direct. Like, we need these types of players. Like, a lot of, like, the stuff that we've seen in the past with the bullshit and it's like, you know, people knowing stuff but not saying it aloud. Like, I love how direct these house guests are. And maybe it's the fact that we have older contestants in the game. Big Brother, you might have to start reconsidering casting and, like, really doing a an incredibly diverse season like we have this time around and, and include all ages because the older house guests are bringing it. Heisem, Miss Felicia, like, they're all doing the damn thing. So please make a mental note of that for following seasons. And the showmances. The showmances is going to be interesting because we have a showmance on the younger side and then we have a showmance that they're both the younger side, but Jared is associated with the other side of the house. So it's like, I could see, like, the Matt and the Riley situation, like, that is, I think, what we would call a traditional showmance. The Blue and the Jared situation, I could see that being a type of situation where, at the end of the day, Jared is going to, like, vote her out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't going to be one of those, like... It's going to be beautiful when he does. Right? Like, it's going to be one of those dramatic ones. Like, I could see him voting her out. Like, 100%. Like And, like, ruthless, uh, you know, uh, just, like, without a doubt. Like, it's not... I don't think... Well, maybe we'll see him, like, oh, my God, should I, should I, should I... Like, we'll see, like, that diary room type of stuff. But when the decision has to be made, like, he would vote her out. Like, I could see that happening. And she's on the other side of the house. Like, if he starts talk, If she starts talking shit about his mother... You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to get Sari out. Like, that would be another bit like, oh, no, we're getting this lady out. Like, I'm, I'm I dig her. Maybe we've made out a couple times, but I'm getting this lady out. It's going to be beautiful. I just want to add on to one thing real quickly and talk about the age. I think we should have a lot more, at least people in their 30s. I actually really like the diversity between that. They want to get more to a 50-50, 60-40. That's fine, because normally... I, I said it before the uh, the podcast. I like that there's older uh, players because it changes the strategy. When you kind of mm-hmm. stick all in the same age group from 20 to 28, they're going to have the same mindset and kind of follow the leader. Because even in the older groups, they have different directions on where they want to go and go in because they have their own uh, experiences, their own thoughts, their own, you know, forget the go with the flow. I want to do what I want to do. This is my chance, so to speak. And I I wish I hope they see that, and I hope the success of this season kind of shows the casting directors like okay let let's broaden it a little bit one hundred percent I agree with you on that, like I hope we see older people in the future 
um, and especially older people that are fans of the show. So that well, means that they've seen some of the earlier seasons, and they might be better, like, bigger fans of, like, the earlier seasons, so they can incorporate some of that strategy and gameplay and directness like we have seen this season. I love the directness. Like, it's so good. It's like shaking the younger people to their core, and it is fantastic. And to clarify, we don't mean, like, in their 50s, 60s. I love the demographic between... 30 to 45, like, in that, and then you throw, you sprinkle in a few 50s in there. That's yeah, no, what totally, I, I like agree you with you. Because you have more, yeah, you have more competitive game players, like, because they've seen the show, they want to be on the show, not just for fame and fortune, no, they want to play Big Brother because they've seen Big Brother, they grew up with Big Brother, they watched Big Brother, they are Big Brother in a sense, and you can see that in some of these older players. Absolutely. All right, so Hysom winning HOH had the other side of the house, shaking in their boots. So let's catch up with the Nether region. Throughout the episode, we got updates from Jared in the Nether region. Can I just say, though, up like, Jared, you're in the fucking Nether region. Why are you smiling so much? Like, I was like, you're not selling the fact that you're supposed to be in isolation, <laughs> like, he was way too smiley, like, when he was seeing the house guests, um, so I guess the nether region is kind of a combination of, like, solitary confinement, you know, a punishment that we've seen before, like, it, it's like all of those, like, isolated, isolation punishments that we've seen in the past on Big Brother, except Jared was way too smiley. I do love that the house guests were able to see him. I like that he was able to see them. I will say the the two times I think it was that we saw Jared on the memory wall screen and and Sari was like, "We love you. We miss you." I was like, "Oh, she's being a mom. She's saying basically I love you and I miss you." I was like, that was a smooth way of doing it, Sari. That was smooth. I like it. I liked that a lot. So like I mentioned, Jared was gone, I would say, like, about a day, maybe maybe 12 hours, maybe a little less. I don't think it was more than a day, but maybe. Who knows? Um, he was gone for a substantial amount of time, though. He ends up returning from the nether region, and then the house gets a transmission from the nether region, a.k.a. a message, in a bottle. And uh, it basically said that the Nether Gorgon is hungry for more souls. So at a certain point throughout the week, you know, the Nether Gorgon is going to need to be fed again. And Jared is going to have to select the people that will be going to the Nether region. And sometimes there will be um, something beneficial. Sometimes there will be a punishment associated with going to the nether region that week. And uh, for the next person that's going to be going, that Jared is going to have to select, that individual will be immune from being nominated because they will not be there for the nomination ceremony. So there's like this whole dramatic moment where Jared has a difficult decision. Like, 
Riley pretty much immediately is like, you need, you need to save me, you need to save me, you need to save me. You know, I'm the target, you need to save me. Jared ends up having a conversation with Hysam, who's the HOH, and uh, Hysam is pretty much like, you can do whatever you want, you just can't use it on Riley, Matt, or Cameron. But, you know, anybody else, it's perfectly fine, do what you gotta do. Here's my whole thing, and I don't understand why Jared didn't do this. Well, first of all, um, the way that Hysam and Jared talked, like, I, I don't feel like... I now wonder, and I, I don't know if I've observed this, like, really explicitly in the live feed, so this is where I'm slightly confused about the dynamic. I don't think maybe the majority of the professors know that Jared is a double agent. I think only a select few know that. So, I was like, okay, so Hysam doesn't know that Jared is on his side. Um, based off of just their little interaction about who could be safe. But anyway, um, maybe I read that wrong, or I don't know. I think I'm right, though. I don't think the majority of the professors know about Jared. And I mean, clearly I not just, about Jared and Sari, but I mean, Jared being a double agent. I just assume only Sari knew he was a double agent. Well, I'm assuming Sari and clearly Izzy. Izzy Fields knows. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The less people you that know, the better. True, true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, this is the Big Brother house. You know, a, a secret can be exposed quickly. So here's my whole thing. And Jared, I have been enjoying you, even though you have made some dumb decisions in the house that have been on the live feeds. But I have been enjoying you so far. Why the fuck did you not say to Riley, you know, I'm going to try to use it on you, but the problem is the HOH just threatened me. If I use it on you, I get nominated. I mean, why don't you say that? I think that would have been the easiest cover for what you were trying to do like that that was just so obvious to me but jared doesn't say that he's like you know i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna try i haven't made my decision i'm gonna do what's best and after chatting with sari you know sari was like you know you can't pick riley like you are gonna expose your cards, and the, you'll draw a line in the sand, and all this kind of stuff, and whatever, whatever, and any type of analogy, and simile, and metaphor that you can include there that is appropriate. She was like, you can't do that. You know, why don't you pick someone like Jag? And this is out of the other. And so he ends up picking Jag. And so Jag gets sent to the nether region, and Jag is uh, safe from being nominated. I don't know if he's safe from being a replacement nominee, but he's not even on Heisem's radar anyway, so that doesn't even matter. You know what I'm saying? No, I do. And to kind of go off what you mentioned before, I agree. I think that was a missed opportunity for uh, Jared to kind of save face. But at the same time, I don't think he seems like he cares too much or he didn't play it as well as he probably could have. And I think the group is still cool with him enough to where he could still save face even if Riley heads out that week but I I wonder oh no no he knew it was just interesting to see how that moment was going to play out but what I really liked was the fact that 
you, there's a special random power to save somebody. And I really hope that continues. And like you mentioned, right, it could be something positive, it could be something negative. Because going forward, it could be something beneficial to get like second place almost. Because it could serve a purpose for your group or for yourself. And to see Jared kind of have that ability. And the only thing I, the only thing I want to say is, because we don't know the full, I have to look at it again to see what specifically it was. I don't think he, one, he cannot be nominated for the week. That's what I understood initially. Because they even heard he couldn't be replaced. Or it could just be nominations, right? But let's say he can't be replaced either. Jag. I think if they want to make that power truly fair, he shouldn't be able to vote either. So it becomes a positive and a negative. A positive, you can save somebody. A negative, they lose a vote. So you got to be careful in the sense like, hey, if the other side's against us, I'll save one of theirs, but I'm killing a vote at the same time. I think that's kind of really, it's a really interesting dynamic to play with an uh, extra strategy added to the game, you know, for them to kind of worry about. And I really hope they kind of play with that more going forward to where it's a positive and a negative type of uh, punishment or gift or power thing. Because I, I like when they can add things like that that seem a power that is balanced and not one completely unfair like a stupid immunity amulet that keeps you free from the block for three weeks can be nominated bs this is kind of like it's a give and take and and i want actually want to ask you uh, your thoughts on that what do you think on any potential punishments or random powers given throughout the the rest of the season and seeing how that can kind of evolve the game strategy a little bit I'm here for it. Like, I like it. Like, they have so much that they can do with this BB multiverse situation. And creating powers uh, for the good or for the bad that will change the game in unique and interesting ways. Or bringing back powers from the past that we haven't seen in a while. Like, all of that kind of stuff can be easily brought into the game because of this multiverse situation. You know, this season truly is, not to say the name of our podcast, but it really is Expect the Unexpected. Like, anything can happen based off of what we've seen so far. Anything for the good or for the bad. You know, as much as I want, like, all this stuff to come into the game, you know, it could affect the people that I like. Um, and, and I'm, I'm okay with it because I want to see crazy shit happen in this game. Like I want their lives to turn upside down in the big brother house. So I'm cool with all of it. Like, I like the concept that you said, if you can't be nominated, then you can't vote like that. That's an obvious, uh, thing. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't include it, but maybe that's what the punishment is. Remember the nether Gorgon is going to need many souls so if Jag returns and there's another soul that has to be taken, which, um, spoiler from the live feeds, another soul does get taken, I wonder if that's the punishment Ooh. for the other soul getting taken. Like, is a, is a vote going to be, like, removed? A.K.A. will they not be able to vote? And I wonder, maybe it's like a secret type of thing. Ooh, could you imagine if it's a secret type of thing where the house guests can't tell? that they will not have a vote. And so they go into the diary room to vote. But Julie's like, based off of your nether region punishment, you cannot vote. You may go back inside the house. 
Dude, that's exactly the way <clears throat> I noticed it this time. This is exactly how survivors played. That's exactly what has happened before. We've had people where they risk it for a power and they lose their votes. Or in exchange for a power, they lose their vote. But nobody knows. So they go like they're going to vote. And there's a little thing normally where they write the name down. Instead, it's a blank piece of paper. I mean, a paper that says uh, you lost your vote. You cannot vote. And that would be really cool where, the they, for one, they can't tell they lost the vote. Or it would be dumb for them to say anything, right? Well, I mean, two, they're also on camera and there's microphones every place. So, like, they're oh, monitoring yeah, if I you mean, can't tell, but you it, know? But it doesn't help you, right? Like, to mm-hmm. say anything to begin with. But that would be really cool, man, if they do. I, I hope they go that route. Because I feel like I'm feeling a lot of Survivor added elements, which they needed. Because a lot of great things Survivor does. And I feel like Big Brother is just really lacking, getting dry, getting stale. And adding these little things that make it more strategic. More gameplay. Well, like it's like you said, it's not just numbers. Because that kind of gets boring, right? You just need one dominant side and it's over. And when you when you put these things into play, it kind of forces you to play for yourself and be aware of what's going to happen. Could you be next? What's the next expected, unexpected thing to do? So that would be really cool to go in and be like, pretending you vote, but I got no votes at all. Yes. I love how you just said they should bring some more survivor elements into Big Brother. Because literally, I think it was yesterday... Jer- I think it was Jared. Was it Jared? I think it was Jared that was telling his mom. He was like, Mom, this is a survivor. <laughs> like, you can't think like you're on Survivor. Which is kind of true. Like, listen, I don't know much about Survivor because I've seen very little of Survivor. I know, Mr. Pena, I need to go back and watch the good seasons, a.k.a. the Suri ones. I will be doing that at some point. I promise, I promise, I promise. You have convinced me. I just have to end up getting Paramount+. Plus. But anywho, that's another story for a different day. Um, from what I do know about Survivor, like, there is a thing about the numbers in Survivor, and, like, if you have the numbers, like, that's pretty consistent, you know, and that sort of thing on Survivor. On Big Brother, there's a lot more flexibility, because the numbers can change in the Big Brother house on the hour. Like, things can change dramatically in the Big Brother house over the course of a day. So, Sari, I don't know if she's an adaptable type of person. I hope that she is. I mean, the, the because she's done so well on Survivor, you know, the multiple times that she's been on, and because she did so well on The Traders, I feel like she can be an adaptable person. But yeah, there there is an air of adaptability that you need on Big Brother that I feel you don't necessarily need on other games where you have alliances and you rely on numbers to save you. Uh, I have to disagree with you. It Survivor is outdoor Big Brother. The only difference is there is no HOH, and you're guaranteed one person is not going home. You 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 play for that immunity. So basically, you know how you play for HOH, right? And you're guaranteed not to go home. That that's the one element Survivor has. You play to make sure you don't go home, and it's all about your social game. There are, I give you this, sir, Big Brother is more of a, like, actual alliance with the whole name. When it comes to Survivor, everyone's super cutthroat because you're hungry, you're outdoor elements, but man, it can change where you think you're safe, you've been working with this group, you were a team in the beginning, you've merged into one tribe because it starts off in teams, and you merge into one big one, big house. 
And then one hour later, oh, we're going to vote you out now instead. But there are there's, there are similarities. But there is a little there is a little difference. But I I think Ceres, her experience definitely will help because in Survivor, you all you have to do is rely on people and their votes and their word and the information you get. Kind of like the traders, except you're in lap of luxury. I feel like this is almost a little easier for Ceres. Only in this retrospect, only only you're indoors and you're fed. When you're okay. outdoors in the wilderness making your own food, fire, winning these physical competitions in the heat, in the rain. It takes a toll physically and emotionally to where, at least in the Big Brother, it's a lot of emotional, man. It's well, psychologically, yes. like, weighs on you. Not so much physically, but gets you on the other two elements. So this is where I always, that's why I felt like Sari does have a leg up because of that. And it's funny, like you mentioned, Jared, saying it's not like Survivor. I would... You're right. You can't be 100% that thought process, but you would be a fool not to listen to the similarities that could potentially benefit to this, and which is why I feel like as a game player, Ceres, as you mentioned, very adaptable. Traders wasn't Survivor. True. She knew the elements of working with people. People. That's the, the, the core, right? Commonality is people. People will always be people. And if you can learn more or less how to navigate, to deliver your message, to persuade, to convince, to rely on others, and then cut when needed, that is the key blueprint you need to be going forward in these types of games. Absolutely, yeah. I was going by, because a lot of people online were like trying to, were talking about the comparison between Survivor and Big Brother. And the majority of people were saying that it is different. So that's where I was going by with the, the analysis. But if you're saying that it's much more similar, then, um, you know, Sari being adaptable, you know, she does have, you know, an edge versus everybody else. So then, Jared, you need to start listening more to your mother. I'm just saying. Now, let's talk about the nominees. So, Hysam, you know, was honest. You know, he is targeting Riley, Matt, and Cameron. Hysam really wants Riley out. Like, that is his target. That's who he wants out. Cameron, you know, he ends up warning Cameron that he would could be nominated, this, that, or the other, um, but that Riley is his target. Sari thinks Cameron is the better choice. And because Cameron can go and then they can target Matt the following week. So it's interesting that the HOH on that side has one target, but maybe his alliance thinks of another person as being the better target. At the end of it all, Hysam ends up selecting Riley and Cameron as his nominees. So they're both nominated for eviction. Do you want me to bring up the live feeds and what has happened as a little bit of a teaser? Yeah, might as well, because that's pretty much direct, right? There wasn't a surprise because he talked about it in the episode. And I picked Riley because I feel like she's a social threat. And with Cameron... I haven't seen much of him, but it's the other side of the house regardless, so I can see why 
they want Riley out, and I can see why Serena would want the physical out, considering the way Riley's been playing. She seems like she'd be a very potential flip-flopper. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised by the nominees. Uh, you know, Heisen was very direct about it. I like the nominees. And uh, if I'm being fully honest, I think Saria's right. I, I think Cameron should be the one that's evicted. But Hysum is going to wield his HOH power. And I think everyone is going to fall in line and they're going to vote Riley out. Um, but, you know, anything can change at the Big Brother house. Like after the veto meeting, which takes place today on Monday, like there, there are two days of downtime where all they're doing is talking. There are no competitions. And so it's like, you know, you start really considering and reconsidering and questioning and double questioning like anything can happen. Um, to give a preview of what's to come, I mean, we're clearly going to talk about this, you know, in a bigger way on Wednesday. But um, the, the individuals playing in the veto competition are Heisem, Riley, Cameron, Blue, America, and Matt. So if you think about it, that is all of the other side. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nicole. Damn, yeah. Nicole was the host, and our boy did it. Heisem won the POV. Damn. And ended up not using it. That's a giant target, man, but he's killing it. It's a giant target, but let's be honest, that means there's an even bigger shield for Sari. Because Heisem is now a huge target. Izzy just running, you know, her mouth around. Izzy Fields oh. is a huge target. <laughs> like, they're, like, it's crazy to think that Sari seems like, you know, the most innocent. You know what I'm saying? Like Flying under the radar. Under the radar. Time. Her biggest asset is letting other people lead. Exactly. Because, like, what did we hear in this episode? Heisem is running that side of the house. Heisem is running that side of the house. Like, no one knows that it's Sari. Like, she truly is the puppet master this season. And I said this before... And I'm going to say it again, but I don't mean it in the way that I'm saying it. Because I don't want her to leave. But good grief, that other side is so dense that they don't see Sari as the biggest threat. Like, they should be gunning for Sari to get out of the house. And they don't care. Like, they're, they're just la-di-da-di-da. There was something that happened in the live feeds, I think it might have been yesterday, where Jag was, like, talking about the other side. And... What's fascinating about this is, like, clearly there is an understanding that the house is split. So each side knows that there is a side, but one side, the professors, they know everything about the handful slash the family style side of the house. The handful slash family style, they really don't understand the dynamic of the other side like they just think it's like maybe disparate groups of people that you know vote together but that aren't together together like they don't understand sort of like the hierarchy and how well developed 
direct and well-communicative the other side of the house is. And I was like, okay, like, y'all think you have a good read on the other side of the house? You all have, like, the cliff notes. You know, you all have a pamphlet about the other side of the house, whereas the other side, they have, you know, a 500-page novel on your side. Like, it's interesting to see how clueless one side is about the other. It's it's fantastic. The Big Brother house isn't that big. So that means people are zipping their mouths. As loud as some of these house guests are, you know, they're zipping their mouths when it comes to, like, the important information. And I'm loving that. I'm loving that completely. I mean, yeah, the easiest thing to do is play dumb, right? Or, again... You have the other side of the house, that's the younger side. They're being very naive about what's happening and their assumptions. Granted, though, the professors only know everything thanks to Jared. True. So It's and, and nice to have a mole. Jared, bring Jared up because he be, him and his mom become that X factor and, and what would have been like a normal type of season, I feel like. Or one side would have really dom- knowingly dominated. And now you have a side that thinks they could dominate but isn't because they've lost now and but jared leaking that information can completely uh, changes their strategy or potential of winning because they don't have the information and had riley been strong enough or even that side smart enough to realize they know there's a split keep kirsten and we talked about this the last time it made zero sense because you know it is there. She became, I want to say, and again, it was said, a guaranteed number for you. So what's interesting to see now is that that side will fall because they're not willing to take a strong stand in fear of confrontation or being targeted to where the other side is just going balls out. Let's just do this. It's, I hear someone's just like, hey, I got this. We're going for it. You're after me? Wait, who are you? Who are you with? No, with me, right? Just, I already know. Just tell me. I just want to hear from you. Okay, good. I'm going after you guys. You know, right? There's no surprise. And I like to live, as he said, with integrity and directness. I'm going after you guys. And they're like, wow. No one said they're going after us. So what we too. So I feel like it's thrown off what they would assume the game would have been like. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Absolutely. I agree with you. Like, yeah. The way the professors are playing is absolutely brilliant. Like, I don't know if the others are going to be as direct. Like, I can see Hysim clearly, and I can see Izzy, like, being that direct when they are HOH. Like, I don't know if anybody else will be. Like, that's going to be... Power reveals a lot, remember? Exactly. No, that's what's going to be interesting about it. Like, will any of the others be as direct like, oh gosh, there's a part of me that really wants to see an Izzy HOH, because I feel like that's just going to be so batshit crazy and cracked out in the best way possible. Like, I'm going to be Great here for Great TV it. right there. Yes, it's going to be spectacular television right there. Like, yeah, that, ooh, an Izzy HOH is like a dream, because I feel like it's going to be... It's going to be like a Frenchie HOH. It's going to be like a Devin HOH. But in a better way, because I feel like she's going to be much more um, methodical. 
but it's going to be a roller coaster ride, and I I think I have VIP passes for that ride. <laughs> like I want to be on that ride. It's gonna be a nutty week. The fact that they don't show Izzy a lot on the actual show, and she is a huge part of like the machinations of the professors is really a crime. Like, they have no idea what they have with Izzy. And, like, some of the shit that comes out of her mouth, it's like gold. And they aren't putting it on the show. Like, they do that at times with people. Like, they give them a very different edit on the show than they are on the live feeds. Like, Joseph last season, he was very strategic in a lot of... uh, like, the Leftovers' decisions, especially, you know, when the Leftovers were, like, for real, for real, before Kyle, you know? But, like, when they were good... Freaking Kyle, man. Yes, he ruined the whole thing. Like, the way that he questioned their loyalty and thought that they were... No, he did did the same himself, bro. He was all about himself. No, he was all about self-preservation, and he ended up using microaggressions and stuff to uh, it was I just know. so stupid like the ones that he were he was um the the ones in his alliance that he was so hell-bent on their jumping ship you know they're in an alliance to conspire against me were like the ones that were the most loyal to the alliance and the ones that were the most down for the cause like it was just yeah the dude. way that he like looked beyond their loyalty and just saw the color of their skin, and they were like, they're conspiring against me. Like, and it's then, just so stupid. And, and look, to be fair, and just to let you know, because when you understand the difference between condoning and understanding, I understood his initial mindset, because it was just, hey, what if it's a 2.0, right? But the fact that that he went deeper down the rabbit hole rather than just making a quick, well, you know, like a quick comparison, right? I feel like it was an initial fair comparison. But he went crazy down, like he went in a negative route. And it showed his true colors. And it got me upset because uh, the bus driver, I forget his name. It made me feel Terrence. It made me feel bad because he was down, because he wanted to play. And he was out. And then he felt used by Kyle. And I was like, God, that's gonna that's gonna sour his big brother moment. You know what I mean? Like this man took it away from him because of the way he thought. And it was just it was very it was very sad to see, man. That was just a very disappointing how that went down and how he quickly spiraled. And the sad part was it revealed his sad ignorance, hating heart of fear, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it ruined that part of the game for those contestants that were playing a good game. Like, if you want to punk out, okay, punk out. But don't, you know, stop, man. I hear what you're saying. Like, this is the BB-25 podcast, not BB-24. But yeah. I do have to respond to what you said. Because I don't fully agree with you. Um, I don't think the there was any comparison right? to... He's the one that brought up the cookout? Like, I don't think... About? Pardon? Right? Kyle was the one that made the comparison. Kyle was making the comparison that he thought the BIPOCs in the house were were banding together, forming a secret alliance, 
Cookout yeah. 2.0 okay, so, to take okay, him okay. out. Okay, go on. Yes, okay, go on. I don't agree that he was even right in making that assumption. The POCs in the house that season, they were not at all on the same side. They were like, if we're just going to go down the lines, like Terrence, Jasmine, a.k.a. Blindside Butterbeans. Um, <laughs> Bro, Jasmine annoyed me, but go on. Yes, oh uh, gosh, what was the name of uh, the Brazilian woman? I don't remember her name now. Oh, yes, but I remember who you're talking about. Yes, yes. yes. her, um, like Amira at the time, Joseph. although Amira, Amira wasn't uh, on their side. But the ones that I just mentioned, before I mentioned the other ones, like, they were not down for Taylor. Like, they wanted yeah, her out yeah. day one. Like, it made no sense to think that those three were pairing up with Joseph, Monty, and Taylor. Like, yes, you know, um, Butterbeans and our Brazilian um, house guest, like... They they all hung out with, like, Monty in particular and with Joseph. Like, both of them had good relationships with them. But they did not like Taylor. Like, they didn't, they weren't down for Taylor. Like, they they wanted her out. Like, there was just no way for any sort of anything in your mind to convince you that they were all teaming up to take you down because you're white. The reason why he got all up in his feelings was because it got to the point to where they were like, we need to start taking out some of the people that we are the closest to, and we're thinking of taking out your showmans. Like, he was thinking with not the head on top of his shoulders. No, no, definitely. He completely... And he completely jumped into microaggressions and racism and basically saying, you know, the black and brown people are targeting me. Yeah, I I, I understand the whole targeting him part was just really stupid. But I can, again, I can see, not at the beginning, but at the final end, to have that initial comparison. Again, that's just the way, again, I'm not condoning it. I can see for a split second, like, oh, what if that thought came into his head about a cookout? Cookout 2.0 at the end of the game, not the beginning, at the end. But honestly, overall, I like, just to agree with you on the fact that he was just dumb 1,000% from that point on because that was pure ignorance and hate from his heart. And he only spilled – I mean, what's his name? Had to really spill the beans for him. But I feel like he only was willing to apologize because he was exposed for it. You know what I mean? And – I mean, it's the least he could have done, to be honest, to, to do that. Because that was just, yeah. I think for me, that's, like, one of the worst ones I had seen. Like, when it came to, like, obvious hate. Because the other one seemed more ignorant. But this one just seemed like, dude, you're just, you're thinking with the wrong head. And you're trying to use it. And then he ends up losing her anyways. I was like, dude, what was all this for? For being a moron. Yeah. yeah. He deserved it. But, oh, well. That happens. All right. So, I feel like we've talked about everything in this episode, so much so that we went back to last season. Um, was there anything that <laughs> but, I missed? Oh, one last thing. Honestly, a great episode overall. I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm, I'm, I must sound like a broken record. I'm enjoying these episodes continuously. And the games are better. The gaming ship between them all is better. But 
man, right? I felt bad for Riley. She looked so desperate. She was like, Jared, I need you. Jared, 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 Jared. It was like, it was getting to the point where I was getting annoyed, but I understood her fear. And I understood Jared's fear. Like, dude, I can't. He could not use it because then what if, because they basically threatened him, right? You will go in the body to use it. I was like, damn, there was no wincing of words. There was no hiding nothing. I like that that scene from this episode, just seeing her kind of like being so desperate. And I felt bad, but I didn't because she was like, hey, pushing, pushing. But she had to, right? She knew she was going to be nominated, and she was. And but other than that, uh, great episode. I can't wait to see how they show Wednesday and what the power of Vito was played. She's fighting for her life. Like, I completely understand it. Like, I'm, I'm not even mad at her for trying. Uh, but clearly, you know, she doesn't know exactly what's going down in that house, which is, you know, it's sad. Blindside butterbeans, baby. That's all I can say about that. But uh, <laughs> as much as the show has been entertaining, the live feeds, especially for the listeners, I know there's a lot of boring stuff in the live feeds. Like, I get it. You don't want to hear them eating, or you might not want to watch them do, like, the laundry or something. But there is gameplay that does not make the episodes. Like, there's the entire Heisem interrogation HOH situation where one by one, everyone went up into his room, and uh, he was grilling them about everything. And once he got all the information he needed, he was like, you're dismissed, basically. He was like, oh, bye-bye, thank you. So, there is that, and some of the other house guests have been playing hard, and uh, they haven't been showing that on the show. So, um, yes, there is the actual show, but then there's the show, which is the live feeds, and you don't always have to be subscribed to Paramount+. Plus. There's Pluto TV now where you can watch, and uh, BB Twitter uploads clips to all of the goodies so, uh, yeah, there are ways to watch. And also various websites, like I mentioned before. I enjoy Morty's TV. And there are other um, competitive tweeters on uh, social media that will update basically everything that's going in the house. So, uh, yeah. Just read up on what's going on in the house. Don't be clueless, because there's a lot that's going on in this house. Like, these people came to play. And that's always fantastic to see in the Big Brother house. So, still to come on Wednesday is the, the Power of Vita. We will be seeing exactly what the competition is. We'll see all of that play out in the next episode. And on Thursday, of course, the live vote and eviction. Will the Scaryverse have any more tricks up its sleeve between now and the live vote? Stay tuned. On that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Expect the Unexpected. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. 
Thanks, announcer. My co-host, my fellow house guest, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, people. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to Expect the Unexpected via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychuloradio.com slash archives from outside the Big Brother house, at least virtually. Good night.